Tonight's an interesting um, night for me as a communicator because um, I've been studying this um, the subject we're going to be talking about for, for some time and over the past week or so. And it's, I never, I know I'll never ever understand God's timing ever because I'm driving here tonight and while I'm driving here, I'm thinking through tonight and I'm totally rethinking the talk for tonight. Not the subject, but just how it's all organized and, and all this stuff. So I'm like, it's one of those conversations with God and you're going, are you serious? I mean, not like I'm questioning you, God, but I mean, this is just, okay, so we're going we're gonna to go with this. And because I sense this is what God wants us to, the, the flow he wants to put together for us tonight. Um, and I was talking to Luis about it beforehand. We were praying together and I said, how do you take something, a, a subject matter that's just so huge, I mean, just so massive and, and condense it into 30, 40, three days, you know, whatever time period, you know, how do you, how do, you do that? I don't know. Okay, um, I, I don't know how to. I, I don't know how you do that. Maybe it's a series. Okay, for the next three years or something. I, I don't know, but but I just sense that God's doing this in me. And I, I was telling Louise, I said, "How do I communicate something to to the church as the shepherd, as as the pastor?" And when I feel like I don't do this very well, I mean, I, I'm just being upfront and honest. How do I tell you? We need to be doing this. When I'm going, I need to be doing this way better. So I think tonight is more of um, helping us understand. I want you to hear my heart on this. I'm just in the journey with you. Learning as you learn as far as what it looks like to pour the juice, as we've been talking about for the past several months. When I was in the seventh grade, which was 1985, a song came out um, that I loved. Okay, I loved this band. Um, so much so that I would um, pull out my Sony Walkman AM FM cassette recorder. I would strap that baby to my hip. And I would hit the eject button on my Sony FM or AM FM cassette recorder Walkman. And I would place this tape, tape, in this cassette Walkman recorder. And I would fast forward, hit the fast forward button multiple times because you, you had to stop it and listen to it to find out if you were in the right spot. And uh, to get to this song, right? To get to this band. And the, name, and the band is Huey Lewis in the News. Okay? I love, still love, Huey Lewis and the News. I just do. I, I think they're a great band. I, they were, you know, had the, the, the brass, right, you know, instruments and stuff coming out. And I was like, man, these guys are the show. And the song that, um, that they played, it was a hit in 1985, was The Power of Love. I don't know. Can, is it possible? Do we have that, Joseph, at all? It's the power. I just want to hear it. I don't care if you even want to hear it. Yeah. <laughs> Let that roll. Dad is liking that one. Yeah, can you just, no, can, yeah, there we go. Now imagine, I'm on my paper route, 
Okay? No joke. I'm on my paper route with my Sony Walkman AM-FM cassette recorder right here, tossing papers. Huey Lewis in the news. Go figure. Never put that together till right now. Passing the news out to people on my bike. And, oh man, seventh grade. It's amazing. I'm still alive. Uh, this was back before. I had the headgear. Right? Braces. Can you just picture this? This is a horrifying picture as I'm reliving this. You know, I had the braces before they could actually do the spacers inside your mouth. I had them way outside my mouth, okay? And, but for some reason, Huey Lewis just made me feel at home, okay? It's a good song. If you've never heard this song, you need to put this on your iPod, okay? Just enjoy this with me for a moment. Here we go. Here we go. Kicker. Right. Great part. Okay. That's good. Thanks. So anyway. Yeah. Thank you. Um, don't think. That's Huey. Don't. What do you think? That, yeah. Thank Huey Lewis. Um, anyway. And they played that on Back to the Future and all that stuff too. If you remember that anyways. Um, man. That's a good, good song. <laughs> Sorry. Um, and as I was thinking about tonight's subject, um, you can kind of imagine where we're going tonight with the power of love. Um, you know, I was thinking about, it's an interesting song title, and if you actually read the lyrics, um, which I did probably for the first time this week, I didn't care about, you know, who cares what it says, it's just a sweet tune. Um, you know, at the end it says, can you feel it? Like two or three times it says, can you feel, can you feel the power of love? And I got thinking about that, and I got asking myself the question, okay, can those around me feel the power of love? Can they? When they look at my life, when they look at how I treat my family, when they look at how I treat the church, those people that I love, can, can those around me truly feel the, the power of love? It's an interesting song title, but before Huey Lewis in the News wrote a song entitled The Power of Love, the Apostle Paul actually wrote about the power of love. Okay, and, and it's in 1 Corinthians 13. Go there with me. 1 Corinthians Chapter 13, it's near the back of your Bibles. And really, 1 Corinthians is, is the first letter that Paul wrote to a group of Christians that lived in a city called Corinth. And, you know, they were struggling with this whole divisiveness and pride and all this stuff. And, and he, he, in his letter, he writes this power of love portion of Scripture which we a lot of times hear read in weddings a lot, right? 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And as I was reading this this week, I'm going, man, alive. I mean, these are some seriously strong words that Paul is writing. He says this, 1 Corinthians 13, he says, If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, which, stop right there, which would be sweet, Right? I mean, if, like, somebody was like, dude, I know this special angel language, and I'm communicating it to all of you tonight, I would be like, that, you're the show. Okay? That's pretty sweet. Okay? But Paul says, you could even do that, but if you don't have love, you're annoying. That's how I'm interpreting, like, you're just a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. I don't know about you, but a resounding gong and a clanging cymbal, after a while, gets pretty annoying, okay? So I'm going, dude, it'd be pretty impressive if someone was like, I, it's legit, I'm speaking this special angel language, and Paul's like, 
you don't have love, you're just annoying. What I would think is impressive, Paul's going, if you don't have love, that's just, you're just annoying. Then he goes on, he says, if I have the gift of prophecy, okay, and can fathom all mysteries, I mean, okay, you got everything, you know, I mean, Sherlock Holmes has nothing on you, you can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains, okay, That's pretty impressive, is it not? I mean, if you walked in here tonight and said, Mark, I watched, see that mountain? We'd have to drive someplace to see a mountain, but we would drive and you, and you showed me a mountain and you're like, watch this. Watch my faith, okay? And like the mountain moved, I'd be like, it's coming. You're the show. I mean, that's, how do you do that? That's impressive to me. Uh, you got some serious faith. But what's Paul say? He says, if you have the gift of prophecy, if you have faith that can move mountains, but you, have, but you don't have love, you're what? You are nothing. Do you see the power of love that Paul is describing for us? That's pretty powerful. He's saying you could have incredible faith, but if you don't have love, you are nothing. Nothing. And I'm reading this this week and I'm going, I'm pretty much nothing. I mean, that's how I'm feeling. I'm going, that's some serious power of love that Paul's describing. He's going, you can have all this stuff, but if you don't have love, you're nothing. And then, okay, verse 3, if I give all I possess to the poor which we live in a social justice culture, which is great. It's fantastic. But he's saying, if you do all that, right? And even if you do all that and you become even a martyr, you surrender your body to the flames, but you don't have love, you gain nothing. You mean somebody could give everything they have to help someone and do it with no love and it would mean nothing. And Paul's saying, yes. You could even be a martyr, Paul. You could even sacrifice your life. But do it in a way that there's no love and it would mean nothing. What's it say? It means nothing. You gain nothing. That's the power of love. It's pretty powerful, right? And so I don't know about you, but as we're reading this and talking about it, I'm wondering if maybe you're kind of sensing what I was sensing as I'm studying this and talking and thinking this through this week. I'm going, wow, do I love like that? And then Paul goes on and he says, love is patient. Fail. I mean, you know, just today. Okay, just today I'm impatient. Driving around in, I mean, we won't go there. Okay, love is kind. Thank you, officer. I, I love parking here three miles away and walking to this place. I love it. You're so kind. Love is kind. It does not envy. I wish I had their parking space. Right? It doesn't boast. 
It's not proud. It's not rude. It's not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. It doesn't hold grudges. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. Are we grasping the power of love here? It's pretty powerful. It's intense. You know, Jesus also spoke about the power of love. In a conversation with his disciples, go with me to the book of John, chapter 13. John, chapter 13. And look at verse 35, and then we're going to kind of set it up a little bit and just kind of talk about it tonight. But I feel like I felt like before we jump here, we really need to grasp just how intense and how incredible love is and its power. Jesus says this, verse 35 of John 13. Just, just read it. If you have a copy of scriptures, just read it on your own for right now. And then I'll read it for us. Just look at it. Read it again. Again. Here's what he says. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples. What's next? If you love one another. Do we really believe that? I mean, really, do we really? Is Jesus really saying that? I mean, by this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Now, here's what's going on. Jesus is literally hours away from his crucifixion, hours away from his death. He has just washed the disciples' feet. They've just celebrated the Passover feast together, a Thanksgiving meal together. Um, He's just told them that one of them is going to betray him, and then there's a buzz in the room. Is it me, Jesus? Is it me, Jesus? Who is it, Jesus? You know, there's all this going on. And so he's just told them that one of them is going to betray him. He's going into the cross. And he says that he's leaving And the focus of the disciples, and kind of packaged in this whole event of Jesus and the crucifixion, and and chapter 13, the beginning, it says, um, Jesus knew, verse 1, Jesus knew that the time had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he now showed them the full extent of his love. Then later it talks about he gets up from the meal, verse 4, he takes off his outer clothing, wrapped a towel around his waist, and after that he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. And so then they're eating and he has this conversation with his disciples, right? And Jesus tells them that he's leaving. And the focus of the disciples becomes on Jesus' leaving, which I'd, I don't blame them, I'd be the same. 
You're what? Where are you going? Can we come? I mean, that's what they're asking. Peter says, Lord, why can't I follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. And then Jesus is like, Peter, you're going to betray me. I mean, you're, or you're, yeah, you're going to deny me, he says. You'll disown me three times. In chapter 14, Thomas says in verse 5, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? I love that. We don't know where you're going. How are we going to get there? Peter's like, oh, I'll go to the end, Jesus. Oh. Jesus is like, Peter, you're going to disown me. Thomas is like, we don't know where you're going. How are we going to get there? Then I love Philip, and I don't know if Philip was asking it this way. I'm just going to totally give an interpretive license here, okay? I read this and go, Lord, show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. You know, we'll just, if you're leaving, just show us the Father, and that will be enough. Their focus is on Jesus getting out of here. What's Jesus' focus? His focus is on preparing them for mission. It's preparing them for mission. He knows, 13.1 says, he knows the time has come for him to leave. He knows he's going to the cross. He knows that's coming. He knows he's leaving, and he's given them the handoff. It's on you guys now. I'm leaving it with you. It's up to you. Because in the same conversation, it's the same discourse, chapters 14, 15, 16, and 17, Jesus talks about how he's sending the Holy Spirit for them to guide them. So when they're, he's gone, they're going to have the Holy Spirit. In John chapter 17, he says, listen, just as the Father sent me, now I'm going to send you. So it's all about preparing them for his departure, preparing them to pour the juice, if you will, preparing them to know how do you communicate me, Jesus says, to the world that needs me. And he stops and he says, love one another. Love one another. He says, verse 34, a new command I give you. It wasn't new in the sense that they'd never heard it before. This is in their Old Testament scriptures. New, though, in the sense that now the full expression of love had come to them in the person of Jesus Christ. And new in the sense that they had now the example to follow of what it looked like to love other people. And he says, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. We'll come back to that phrase. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples. Who's Jesus talking to here? He's talking to the disciples. He's talking to the guys that when Jesus leaves, these are the apostles. These are the guys that are going to start the movement of the first century church. These are the guys And he's saying, listen, guys, when I leave, this is where it starts. If you're going to tell people about me, they're going to look at you. They're going to watch your life, and they're going to see how you love each other. And when they see you loving one another, you know what they're going to know? They're going to know that you're mine. They're going to know that. And these are a bunch of guys who failed or imperfect, who ran when Jesus was on the cross. Peter, Thomas, these are the guys who are leaders of the church, right? And in a lot of ways, that gives me hope, right? Because I don't have to have perfect love because I can't. I'm 
I can't give perfect love until I am completely in the presence of Jesus. But it doesn't mean I, I can never have perfect love. Because perfect love came to us at Christmas. And his name is Jesus. I will never be able to love perfectly. But it doesn't mean I can't love at all. Or that I should never love. Because it's not my love that's going on display. It's his love. It's his love. He's talking to the leaders of the first century church, and they are just two months away from taking the message of Jesus and telling the world about the greatest love on earth, Jesus Christ. And he says, by this, by what? Love one another. I just want to talk about some observations from Jesus' statement. Some observations that we see from this statement. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples. One of the first observations I see is that when you and I love one another, we are making Jesus known. We are pouring the juice. When you and I love one another, we are showing people Jesus. Because Jesus says, if you love one another, by this, by your love for each other, all men will know that you are my disciples. Right? He didn't say all men will just know. He said they'll know, or, and he didn't say all men will just know your, your disciples. He said they'll know your mind. They'll know your mind by your love for one another, by how you love one another. So he says this, he says, by this, by what? Your love for one another, verse 34. All men will know. Well, what will they know? They'll know you. Well, what will they know about you? They'll know that Jesus has changed your life. That's what they'll know. They'll know that. He says, they'll know that you are my disciples, that you're a student of Jesus, that you've been transformed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what they'll know. They'll see it. And John describes this later in his letter in 1 John, and I just want to read this to you because how does this work? How do people see Jesus when you and I, as the church, love one another? 1 John chapter 4, if you want to go there, feel free. 1 John 4, verses 7 and following. He says this, John writes, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves, referring back to loving one another, has been born of God and knows of God. The only reason you and I love one another as the church is because we have first received the love of God in us, right? The reality is I would not probably know any of you were it not first that I'd received the love of God. And the reality is I know many of you because you received the love of God through the person of Jesus Christ, and I receive the love of God through the person of Jesus Christ, and that's what's connected us, right? That's what we have in common, is that you've received the love of Jesus Christ when you put your faith in Christ and Christ alone. You receive the love, and then I receive the love in that moment when I put my faith in Jesus Christ, and that's what connects us together. That's why we're here. 
And so when you and I love one another, we're loving one another only because we have first received the love of God in us. And he says that in verse 19. He says, you love because you were first loved by him. We love because he first loved us. The source of our love for one another is God himself. That's our source. And then verses 7 and 8, that's what he's talking about, how our source is the love of God that we've received in us. And then he goes on in First John, and he talks about how God himself is love. Verse 80, whoever does not love does not know God. If you're not loving each other, I mean, that's intense. Think about the power of those words. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Paul, or, or John is making the point. He's saying, listen, let us love one another. Why? Because love comes from God. And that love that we received from God was expressed and shown to us when God sent his son as a sacrifice for us on the cross. When Jesus came, lived the perfect life, and died on the cross, taking your punishment and my punishment for our sins. That's the greatest expression of love. And that is why you and I are able to love one another as the church, because you and I first received the love of God. God is the source of our love. So when we love one another, when I'm loving you and you're loving me, when I'm serving you, when I'm patient with you, hopefully, when you're patient with me, hopefully, and kind to me, when we're loving each other as the church, there is something that people see that I don't even think you and I can fully comprehend. They're seeing a love that's outside of ourselves, a love that comes from God himself, a love that's supernatural because that love that we have for one another comes from God himself. So they are seeing God as we love one another. And that's what Jesus is saying. He's saying, listen, if you love one another, people are going to know that you're my disciples because that's why you love one another. Because you've been changed by Jesus Christ. And loving one another shows that you've already received the love of God. We don't love one another to receive the love of God. We love one another because we've already received the love of God. That's what John's stating in 1 John 4. We don't love one another to get God to love us, but we love one another because God has already loved us. Now, the negative implication of that is if we don't love one another, what are people seeing? What are they seeing? We all know people who have said, you know what, I don't want anything to do with the church. They're a bunch of hypocrites. They don't care about each other. They don't love one another. That needs to stop. Now, some I get it. Sometimes those are just excuses because the Holy Spirit's convicting their heart. And now we could love each other twenty four seven. They'd be like they're just they're not loving one another. It's just an excuse, okay? But the reality is, it doesn't matter what anyone else says. Jesus said they'll know. They'll know we're His when they see us love one another, loving one another. First observation that I see is loving one another means you and I are making Jesus known. We are pouring the juice when we love one another. That's beautiful. 
People are seeing the love of God in us when we love one another. Second observation I see is loving one another means you're sharing life with other disciples of Jesus. I mean, the one another is plural in this passage. He's saying to the group, listen, guys, I'm leaving you, okay? I'm leaving. It's on you now. I'm giving you the mission. And to the group, he says, by this, by your love for one another, fellas, all men are going to know that you're my disciples if you love one another. It's plural. You've got to be sharing life. You, it's very difficult to love someone else in isolation. You've got to be sharing a life. You've got to know what needs are. You've got to share your life. You've got to be honest. You've got to reveal. You've got to share your hurt. You've got to share, you, you have to share your celebrations. That's what 1 Corinthians 12 is all about. When one member suffers, we all suffer. When one member rejoices, we all rejoice. How are we able to do that? Because we're sharing life with one another. We know what's going on. And so the observation is if we're going to love one another, it means we've got to share life with one another. And that's why we, the way we do that here at Living Church is within our living communities. The sharing life together, living the mission together. Another observation that I see here, loving one another means you're making Jesus known. That's one observation. Another observation is loving one another means we need to be sharing life with other disciples of Jesus Christ. And this is specific to disciples of of Jesus, people have been transformed by the gospel. Another observation is loving one another means you are obeying Jesus. Right? He says, I'm giving you a command. You must love one another. So if it's a command and we don't live out the command, what are we doing? Sinning. It's sin for you and me not to love one another. And if it's sin, we need to confess it to one another, and to the Lord. I mean, in the same conversation, John 15, verse 12, Jesus says, um, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. In verse 17, he says it again. He says, this is my command, love each other. It's not an optional thing. We need to be loving one another, and the purpose for loving one another or comes out of the love that we've received from God himself. But we know that when we're loving each other, we're making Christ known, we're sharing life with other followers of Jesus, and we're obeying Jesus. And that's reason to celebrate. We're obeying the one who gave his life for us. And another observation is loving one another means you are loving Jesus. Loving one another means you are loving Jesus. In verses, um, or chapter 14, verse 15, chapter 14, verse 15, Jesus says, if you love me, you will obey what I command. In verse 21, this is the same conversation with the disciples. He says, whoever has my commands and obeys them, he is the one who loves me. Jesus has said, love one another. Jesus has said, when you do what I tell you to do, you are loving me. And so when you and I love one another, we are expressing our love back to Jesus. There's a whole lot of love that goes on when you and I are loving one another. Right When you and I love one another, the people around us are seeing the love of God in us. And then when you and I love one another, we are propelling our love back up to Jesus. So the observations from Jesus' statement are, listen, 
Loving one another means we are making Christ known. We're pouring the, Jesus, pouring the juice. Loving one another means that we are in relationship with other Christians. We're sharing a life with one another. Loving one another means that we are obeying Jesus. Loving one another is a means for us to propel our love back to Jesus. So how do we do this? What's the degree to which you and I love one another? This is where it's hard. Look at verse 35 or verse 34. Jesus says, a new command I give you, love one another. How? As I have loved you. Are you serious? I mean, think about that statement. Jesus is saying, Love each other. How, Jesus? As I have loved you. The word as means to the extent or to the degree of something. So really we could say, what is the degree to which you and I as the church are to love one another? Well, what was the degree to which Jesus loved us? Death. He gave his life. That's... That's a pretty powerful love, is it not? And Jesus is saying, as I have loved you guys, as I've served you, I've washed your feet, I've been patient with you many times, I've been kind to you, I've corrected you when you were wrong, Jesus says. I've persevered with you, I've trusted you, I've hoped with you, But he says, as I have loved you, so you must love one another. To the degree to which Jesus has loved us, we are to love one another. Would you die for someone else in the church? Would I? That's powerful love. And when we love like that, people see Jesus. They see Jesus. Now, the reality is, in our culture, we're probably not, it's not going to happen to many of us. But in other cultures around the world, it happens all the time. People dying for their faith, being martyred for the cause of Christ. But the degree to which you and I are to love one another is as Jesus has loved us. As he has loved us. And then he says, as I have loved you. The degree to which we love one another is is to the degree to which Jesus has loved us. And then we need to remember that Jesus loves us. That Jesus loves us. Because I look at this and I go, how in the world do I, can I love like that? How? How can you love like this? Love one another like this? How do we do this? How? How do you and I love as Jesus has loved us? We must remember that Jesus loved us. That's how. We must remember that Jesus loved us. 
Romans chapter 5, verse 5 is a powerful verse as we think about loving one another. Because let's face it, there are some people, there are some people in the church that, man, they're just really hard to love. Right? Well, don't answer out loud. They just, we are. We just are. And maybe for you, it's that person that's a follower of Christ and they're your spouse. Maybe it's your mom. Maybe it's your dad. Maybe it's a stepmom, stepdad. Maybe it's a teacher. Maybe it's a friend. And it's just hard to love them. It's just hard. How do you do that? You must remember that you are loved by Jesus. You have to keep looking at Jesus. In Romans 5, it says this in verse 5. It says, and hope does not disappoint. Hope does not disappoint us because God, this is so beautiful, because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. And what Paul is writing there to the Roman believers, he's saying, listen, at that moment of salvation, when you give your life to Christ, God pours out his love to you. And it's written in the way where it's continually being poured out to you. And so when we talk about loving one another, we say, how do I love you like that? We must remember that the love that we love one another with is through the Holy Spirit inside of us that enables us and makes it capable for us to love one another. That you have a love that is actually overflowing inside of you because of the love of Christ. And the Holy Spirit is inside of you, giving you the ability to be able to love those around you. He says God has poured out his love where? Into your how, your heart. And so when you and I love one another, we are loving each other out of the love overflow that we've been received, that we have received from God himself. And so they're seeing God in us as we love one another. So we have these observations Loving one another makes Jesus known. Loving one another means we're sharing life with other disciples. Loving one another means we're obeying Jesus. Loving one another means it's a a way for us to love Jesus and return to the degree to which we love one another as Jesus has loved us. How do we love one another? By remembering and looking at the love that Jesus has given to us. And the mark of the first century church was their love for one another. It was their love for one another. Just read Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 4. They're sharing their possessions. They're selling homes. They're selling lands to meet their needs. They're giving. Paul writes to them and to the city of Corinth or to the church in Corinth. They had taken up a collection for believers who were in Jerusalem that were poor, which were hundreds of miles away. The mark of the early church was their love for one another. They served one another. And Paul says, without love, we're nothing. But let's not misunderstand. It, loving one another does not mean we ignore sin. Does not mean we ignore sin. But like Paul and like Jesus, it means we confront it in love. It means we confront it. Jesus did that. Paul did that. He did that with Peter. Peter. 
right? Galatians. Loving one another means, you know what? I love you enough to say, you know what? I'm seeing things in you that just are honoring Christ. And how can I help you? How can I come alongside you and help you overcome this? Come alongside you and confront you in your sin and say, listen, this is not right. Loving one another does not mean we ignore sin. Rather, it means we confront sin. And isn't that what Paul said? We do not delight in evil. That's love. But we rejoice with the truth. And the mark of the early church was their love for one another. Let me just read you some quotes from some church leaders in the second and third century from their observation of the church. And I want you to ask yourself the question, does this describe us? Does this describe you and how you love others in the church? A writer named Cassilius, A.D. 210, said of the Christians, they know one another by secret marks and signs, and they love one another almost before they know one another. They love one another almost before they know one another. I love that. The Greek writer Lucian, A.D. 120 to 200, said of the early church, it is incredible to see the fervor with which the people of that religion help each other in their wants. They spare nothing. The church father Tertullian said, it is our care for the helpless, our practice of loving kindness that brands us in the eyes of many of our opponents. Look, they say, how they love one another. Look how they are prepared to die for one another. The church loved one, on, one another in the first century so much that when they traveled to a particular city, the people of that city were like, they're coming here and these people are turning the world upside down. Acts chapter 17. They're turning the world upside down. The mark of the early church was their love for one another. So where do we start? Where do we start? For me, it started with just confessing, just repenting. Just telling the Lord this week, saying, God, I don't, I don't love like this. I want to. Help me. Help me to love the church like you want me to love the church. And then my prayer was, God, help the church love the church the way you want them to love one another. Because here's what's beautiful. When we do, Jesus is made known. All glory to Jesus. All glory to him. That's what this is about. So that people will see Jesus through our love for one another. I'm going to ask the band to come and we're going to pray. We're going to sing some, a couple more songs. And then and later on, we're just going to get in, into our prayer huddles like we normally do at a gathering. And we're just going to spend some time in prayer together. You don't have to pray. No one's going to make you pray in that prayer huddle. But, you know, I was telling um, Dave earlier tonight, I said, I'm not even really sure how to respond tonight. You know, how do, how do you respond? In some ways, you feel 
I feel so, um, so like I fall so short of this. But then I, I, I look at it and I go, I look at Living Church too, and, and I can honestly say I've never seen a church been part of an expression of church, and I've grown up in church all my life that truly is learning to love one another as Jesus described. And that's reason to rejoice. We are seeing it happen among us. And so we celebrate that. We celebrate it. And when we love one another like that, people are seeing Christ when we're painting each other's homes, when we're going and providing things for one another, when we're bringing meals to one another. People are seeing Jesus in that way. I think, too, what one, the way we need to respond is we need to continually remind ourselves of the love that we have received from Christ. Memorize passages of Scripture about the love of God that you've received. And when those moments when it's hard to love someone, remember Jesus. And to the extent to which he loved you. To the extent to which he loved me. And maybe tonight, for some of us, our response is we need to go home and we... T- for some of us, we need to tell our kids we're sorry for our lack of love. We need to tell our spouses we're sorry. We need to tell maybe people who attend another church we're sorry. They're part of the church. They're G- disciples of Jesus. And if we have offended them or hurt them in some way, we need to seek their forgiveness. But as we sing, I, I, go ahead and stand with me as we As we sing, I want us to really be thinking, what's your response tonight? What's your response tonight to the love of Christ? And if you're here tonight and you don't know Jesus, it's impossible for you to love the church in the way that Jesus describes. You have to first receive the love of God inside you. That's what makes our love for one another so unique. And so if you're here tonight with your, and you're here without Jesus, know that Jesus loves you and he died on a cross for you and that you too can receive that same love in this moment. Just give your life to him. Call out to him and welcome him in. And he will forgive you of your sin. He will set you free from that guilt and he will make you right with God. He will make you right with God. And for us as the church, can we be a church can we, can we be a church, an expression of the church like the first, second, and third century that we just read about? I think we can, and I think we're becoming that. I really do, and it's exciting. It's exciting. But in these moments as we sing, what's your response tonight to the love of God, and what's your response tonight to loving one another? Father, we call upon you tonight, and we thank you for meeting with us tonight. And I pray that you would just guide us in what our response needs to be tonight. Forgive us for falling short of loving each other as you desire us to. And God, we ask that through your Holy Spirit, you would empower us to love in a way that makes you known. And we thank you ultimately for loving us so much When we didn't even love you first, you loved us. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. This is for you tonight. 
Lord, we say thank you through our song tonight for your love to us. Amen.